0: Jamel, I got you bad news. I'm sitting here with a bottle of fucking booze. They call me sticks when I spit on the mic. all right everybody we are fucking live we got a guest tonight just go ahead and set it up real quick just give me a couple of seconds and here we go what's going on brother yo
1: what's happening brother
0: pretty good we got james purdue on the on Can the mic yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: <laughs> oh yes, sir.
0: How you doing tonight?
1: Um I'm, I'm doing well. How about you?
0: You look good? I am doing amazing. I I did not even think I was gonna have a guest tonight, but uh that corona just kind of helped everybody out though, right?
1: Yeah, people, more people staying at home, right? <laughs> hey when ah. they first started when they first started that corona, um I was actually at a restaurant and I was talking to one of the the waitress one of the waiters and um i asked him say hey, man with this corona stuff going on you know is it affecting you know much business and he said, oh no we got plenty of other beers here
0: <laughs> ah, that's funny i like that did you actually hear about corona though supposedly when the whole thing kicked off they were losing so much money because people were like oh this has to do with uh, the mexican beer
1: yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so,
0: Tell us about your show, brother.
1: Hey, uh, yeah, I got a podcast on my own in the YouTube channel. And most of it's on the YouTube channels talking about overcoming adversities. I get my story how I was 19 years old. I was two weeks into college and I got my neck broke playing football. And the old thing was I was told I would never walk again, possibly not move from my neck down. And they've even told my family to put me in a nursing home that I'd be too much of a burden to care for. And so can you imagine the age of 19, you're in in a nursing home? And the sad thing is, there's people like that. So I I just tell people part of my story is, my family and I were hard-headed. We decided not to listen to the doctors. And so I went on to become a teacher, an award-winning teacher. I coached a state championship team. Got a doctor degree, so it just tells you. So, so my channel is just basically telling good stuff, good good word to get people fired up.
0: Wow! Tell us about that championship team. What, what were you coaching? I
1: was coaching in, in our. I, I was teaching in a middle school, seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I coached the seventh and eighth grade girls basketball team, and so yeah, we we we've been through the state a couple of years in a row but never got over that final hump to get in that game. And we finally got in the game and we, the championship game and, and won it. So, really? Yeah. You're talking about a that,
0: football team in middle school.
1: Yeah. Oh, you that were sounds amazing. Yeah. Th- this was girls basketball. They, they were good. This, this team was good. So, well, girls basketball. got to be decent if you're going to win a state, but uh, they were good.
0: Man, that, that is crazy though. Like, you're, you're a basketball guru? Is that what's going on?
1: I, I used to coach girls' basketball, and I coached uh, baseball for a while. So, but then uh, that's a boys' baseball, not not the girls' baseball now. But, uh, yeah, I did girls' basketball for about 12, 13 years, something so like tell that. tell us
0: about how do you pick a position for the for the ladies? Are they already, I don't know, do they already have something in mind or – Cause I, I want to say most of them are short, right? I mean, you might get a couple of tall ones here and there, but you know what I mean.
1: They're all the majority. They're about the same size,
0: right? Yeah, you know, yeah. They're... About
1: five, five, one, five, two, five, three, five, four, something. But every now and again, if you got a five nine, boy, you look like you're doing something. If you can get a six footer, that's really intimidating. <laughs> uh, especially oh, man. seventh and eighth grade. But I've I learned. And I don't know why this happened, but usually the taller girls were, were intimidated by the others. They, they didn't want to hurt the other girls. So they didn't wow. play as rough and tough as I would like. They went, they, the smaller ones would get more rebounds than the taller ones because mm-hmm. they when they were playing as seven- and eight-year-olds and they're already taller, they were worried about hurting them, the other ones. And so they just kept that mentality, even in school. Wow. So, yeah, that was that, that. took me a while to figure figure that out, because I'd be yelling at the tall girl, what, get get up there and get it. And then, and then here they're about <laughs> half ready to cry. They're about oh, half ready to cry. Oh, man. Like, ah. But finally, yeah, finally one of them told me, I said, why, why aren't you getting, well, when I we was younger and we were playing in the city league together, I was always worried I was going to hurt one of them. Oh, but you're not in city league anymore. This is school ball. <laughs> so, so, what's the
0: difference though between city league and then the school ball, right?
1: Well, the city league, everybody gets to play, right? All right. And then school, basically, your better players play. You know, you have your big tryouts and everything. And so, in city league, you may have seven, eight teams, and then maybe seven or eight girls on every team, but then in school, you may only have eight girls, fifteen girls, out of that whole hundred. So you get. So if you some, guys
0: don't already know, we got the professor of perseverance on the mic right now, talking about basketball with middle school, right? How you coach the team name. to a championship?
1: Yep, we we, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm a firm believer that when I hear these coaches. That's that think they win because it's what I did and they don't want to give credit to their players. They're a bunch of jerks because they couldn't win if it wasn't for the good athletes. So, I mean, for example, you're not going to win the Kentucky Derby riding a mule.
0: I think I can make it work, you know, we'll make it happen.
1: <laughs> there you, you go, some
0: steroids, and it'll be oh,
1: good to go. there you go. But yeah, they, uh, so I, I'm a firm believer you you, you got to be the captain of the ship still, but you've got to have players to play. And in the 12 or 13 years that I was there,
0: Wow, that's a long time, bro. 9,
1: nine or 10 years, we were in our county championship games. We won about half of them and we lost about half, but 10 or 11 games we were in the championship game in our county. So, uh, so how do you fire them up
0: whenever they're they're crying on the bench? They're like, man, I got problems at home. My boyfriend broke up with me. Like, what are you telling them?
1: So, but one, one thing about this is, um, uh, you remember those shows that the movie came out with the Tom Hanks and the league of their own. He was coaching the women baseball team because the baseball people were yeah. going to war. And one thing he goes up, he goes, you're crying. There's no crying in baseball. And so, uh, so I kind of adopted that a little bit, and if I saw a girl crying, I'd go, "You better not let that. You better not let one tear hit this this gym floor, or we're all going to be running. And they hear all the other girls are running over, there cleaning their face off, and and getting her dried up and everything. I said, "Don't you let wow. one tear." But I but I would explain to them, if you lose your composure, lose your 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 focus on the game, the other team's going to attack you. And make you play wrong and, and the wrong way, because they're they're going. She's upset now. All right, let's drive the ball to her and yeah. And so I, I was thinking now. Don't get me wrong, girls. I understand everybody's got to cry, cry every now and again myself. I said, but when you're competing, you can't let the other team see your emotions. But women's are women are a different yeah. beast, though, aren't
0: they? I mean, you got to oh, coddle yeah. them a little bit more. Oh,
1: oh yeah. It, it will. Yes. And I learned, and this is, I, I read Pat Summit's book from Tennessee. I'm in Tennessee and Pat Summit. she said, she said, for every negative you give a girl, you better be there and give them three positives and pick them up. You know, she said she, she'd be little one, the uh, uh, woman for what she would done and playing, but then she'll turn around and pick her up and give her all the good stuff that she's done. So yeah, you got give, especially when, uh, when, when they come up and it, it, they don't tell me the coach anything you hear from the other girls when they broke up with their boyfriend or the boyfriend broke up with them. And then here they are po- sulking. And then I'm going, <laughs> so yeah, it's, 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 it's different than boys. That's for sure.
0: What about in a paint though? It gets pretty nasty though. I mean, we're talking about in the nineties with the NBA players, like the, uh, the Detroit, Detroit, right? The Pistons, yeah. they, used to, they used to elbow each other, punch each other in yeah. the face. You know, Is there you anything know the, like that that's ever happened in middle school basketball with females?
1: That, I mean, There's a lot of hitting in the paint, but it's not necessarily slinging elbows. I mean, it's probably more accidental hitting, going after rebound and stuff. It's It's none of the stuff that Detroit did back then. They were, they were good physical. I, I like to watch a physical game. All right, Joe. All right, Joe.
0: All that physicality just going rough and then coaching them to the greatness. I mean, it sounds amazing. Well, it does.
1: Well, it took us a few years, the other coaches we worked together. You know, it took us a few years to build up what we wanted the team to be like. Do we so still, we're, we're, so there. You're, you're freezing, or I'm freezing. All right, in let, me and
0: go in, uh, let me go and refresh this stream. All right. Maybe we're having a little uh, Wi Fi. All right, let's see here. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. i You're for someone at Just because he helps me out, doesn't want him back to me, better support. Okay. how much exactly did you make the okay, I'm trying, but I'm the all right and we're back let me just uh take this off real quick sorry about that sometimes we have some issues nothing works as it should sometimes are you still there
1: we got I'm here yeah
0: all right. All right, so we're back, you guys. Everybody out there watching Joe Madness show with James Perdue talking about coaching. Alright, so as take, soon as this comes off the screen here. All right.
1: Take technology is great when it's working. Oh
0: yeah, there we go. All right.
1: Yeah, technology is great when it's working.
0: Oh man, sometimes it can get a little bit exhausting. Though you're like, why aren't you working today? But uh, we're right. back.
1: All right. So good deal. But uh, yeah, yeah. Once we build up our team, like we wanted them to play, it took a couple of years. To uh, that coach and I did, Rick. And um, but then it was, we established and everybody wanted to meet that goal, meet that level. That that we were accustomed to.
0: Well, how do you juggle being a teacher and then a coach at the same time? I mean, you you have so many responsibilities, though, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. The good thing about it is, you know, the coaching stuff is after school's uh, out for the day, but it seems like it goes on longer in teaching, it seems like. Um, if you got the late practice, you're still there. When school's out, you're still there until the late practice, which you usually – Five or five thirty, so then not getting home eight thirty or nine. Uh, if you get the good week where you're soon as school's out, you're practicing, you get home earlier. But um, yeah, it's a lot of things. But yeah, you oh, know, it's it's more to it than they just coaching because you got to make sure your your girls keep the grades up so they can play. Uh, make sure they're not a discipline problem in the classroom. <laughs> and so um, yeah, they. Unfortunately, but I'm very blessed that. Rarely did any of my players ever really get in trouble. So, now we had a couple of them had to do extra work to get their grades up so they could play. But uh, for trouble, discipline, fortunately we didn't have a lot of that. And so, that was
0: great. And what what is the other stuff you're doing? You got a YouTube channel. Do you, you have a lot of guests on there, or is it more like a, a solo podcast?
1: Well, I, 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 do, I do my – regular YouTube as well. I mean, the same one's going there, Professor Perseverance. And I give little, like less than 10 minutes, little suggestions. But also I do my YouTube podcast and we will do it live. And I have the comments open in case any of my subscribers want to come in and ask a question with my people uh, that I come in. Then I, you know, extract that out, the uh, audio out and put it on a, Real podcast is what I do.
0: Hey, I, 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 so you get a lot of, a lot of guests and, and, and whatnot, or you just, I just you, started, you like talking so I, about re- just positivity.
1: Well, I restarted the podcast part back in June. I started last September, but I had to st-
0: oh, stop okay, it for a while.
1: Restarted it. But I mean, I uh, those interviews of in my podcast, even the YouTube podcast, um, it's people that have overcome adversities. For example, today I talked to a guy that was in a car wreck and his girlfriend died and her sister died in the wreck. He lived, but paralyzed. Wow. And so we talked about his story today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine what they call survivor guilt? Why did I live, live for them to die? And uh, so But I interviewed this one guy that his name's Captain Charlie Plum. Back in the late '60s and '70s, he was in the Vietnam War, flying planes. On his 75th mission, his plane got shot down, and he was a prisoner of war over in Vietnam for nearly six years. Wow! Beating and torturing and starving, breaking bones, things like that. We we talked to interviewed him, so we just get hold to people that have overcome adversities and share it with the uh, world with best we can. And hopefully it would inspire somebody else that's having a bad day. And they hear what uh, Captain Plunk me through and they'll go, you know, maybe I got it better than I think.
0: Wow. That, that's going to be rough though, to sit there and listen to the stories. And then they tell you how they were tortured. They broke bones. I mean, were they crying about it or were they pretty much composed?
1: No, he to he, he I mean he was he was remarkably remarkably adjusted to everything because he even said when the war was over he said five hundred and some odd prisoners were sent being sent back home and he said psychologists and psychiatrists told all their family members before they got there, put him in institute with all the beating and torture they took, they'll never adjust to the world. Uh, here, wow! And told him to put in an institute, and then he he gave me all the numbers of how many people are teachers, preachers, still in military, well maybe not now, but moved up in military. And uh, he was just telling all the big numbers of the 500 and something close to uh, close to all of them were doing something. But they they were the family member was told at home, lock them up in an institute; they'll never be able to adjust. Can you well, imagine he- that?
0: Why would they tell them that that's that's insanity
1: because, yeah but they say because all the uh abuse and the torture mental abuse and they just figured they went cuckoo for cocoa puffs and without even really talking to them they're just telling uh. the family what to expect and then he said he come home everybody was amazed that still, he still had a great sense of humor right before a day before i was going to interview him he sent me a text and he said hey james how about this opening we can start off with? And the text was, he said, with all this stuff going on with this Corona and the COVID-19, he said, how about, let's talk, let's open and talk about how he, he was able to use ad, the adversity of the, to his advantage of not being able to use Charmin toilet paper for nearly six years. <laughs>
0: oh, man.
1: So he—that's he, a
0: crazy thing, though, right? I mean, you're talking about the whole Corona thing kicks off, and then people are just losing their their shit literally over toilet paper.
1: Yeah, exactly. So he's saying, you know, here's people hoarding and grabbing all the toilet paper they can carry to get out of the store, and not leaving it for anybody else. And he's saying, here I am, literally. He didn't say this word for word, but like you were saying, I'm laying on his bed, tortured, and I'm shitting and pissing on myself. Cause, and I don't have toilet paper, and here's people grabbing it like it's gold, and don't want to share it. So he did. You, he did you to, ask
0: him about that, though? Did you ask him about the torture and like the yeah, conditions? Like
1: and that. he told had? me that, that uh, it. Was, I mean, it was just they'd beat them, starve them, yeah. they play mental games with them, you know. To uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to him about that. So he teased. He, of course he talking that was back in early 70s when all that took place, 60s and 70s. So he he's, he's got a book out and he goes around and speaks to other people. So yeah he's
0: what was but, the time span though? Did you ask him like what what dates?
1: But I know it's like the last three years 67, 68, 1967 to like 72, 73. He said it was nearly six years. Oh my gosh! Nearly It was. Some, I don't remember the exact number, but he said the number is like. I'd have to look it up. It's like two thousand one hundred and three, and that's how many days he was. Kept oh my in.
0: gosh! How, 2, do you, how do you days. survive that? How do you find the
1: will to live? Well, here's a great thing: is uh, he said one thing he went through was. He he was a failure because his plane got shot down. And he said he was a failure. He let his country down, let his family down. And he felt guilty that uh, he got caught by the enemy, basically. And um, he said that um, this is awesome. This is awesome. He said they learned because they were not allowed to talk. They're in individual cells, And even though they're next door to another American, they were not allowed to talk to each other. So they developed a system by pulling and tugging on a string and it would represent the alphabet and they were able to communicate with their next door neighbor with this tugging and pulling you know kind of like uh, morse code um yeah and they had you know, like him, prisoners he,
0: do yeah they do some of that stuff yeah.
1: and then he said they even got to they would cough out certain codes the same way and the enemy never figured that out you know, they'd cough and cough, cough and do other stuff and snort and, and sneeze. And <laughs> and, and they would communicate that way to keep their mind from getting infested with the uh, beatings and negative stuff.
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I, I tell everybody all the time, though, I, I run. I like to run. I mean, I don't like it, but I do it. Right. And yeah. I, I run out there in a 100 degree heat and I tell everybody the sun breaks you, man like oh, you yeah. gotta find something inside to just keep going. And I I can't even imagine though just getting tortured day after day you're like, "Oh, it's time to get tortured again." What, yeah, what am I going to think about because I don't want to be here, right?
1: Yeah. Here yeah, you going. What time is it? They unlock the thing. You go, "Oh, that's what time it is." Yeah, can you imagine that? No oh, man. It, wow. But it was he was amazing. I mean, if just by looking at him, you you would never know him. He went through that i mean he just adjusted very well i think he's i can't i think he said once a year or is it once a year or maybe once every three years I, i'd have to go back and listen to, that he meets up with a bunch of the prisoner POWs and they'll meet up in one location and just talk about the good old days right uh wow and I, and I asked him about that i said i said y'all y'all talk about you know what kind of who who took the most torture or what he said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't talk about the guy. We just talk about all the positive stuff and the good things that's happening in life right now. And so he got to meet... Um, it was years later, I forgot. But the the guy, Vietnamese, I guess, that that was in charge of punishing him. He got to and meet him? He got to meet him after the war. There was this, this was only like eight or 10 years ago, I think he said. But he got... To, and somebody in one of the colleges was doing, a university was doing a study or, or something. And he was actually going to bring the guy, the prisoner, the one that kept him up or what. And he let him meet. And so Captain Plum said he thought when he met with him that the guy was going to say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, this is war. I did what I was supposed to do. But I'm sorry I did. He, that's what he thought. He said, far from his mind that he never apologized. He, he, even, he even said, I, he said, he said, he said, he said, the guy told him, I'm the one that helped keep you healthy.
0: <laughs> you still there, James? Yes. All right, here we go. All right, we're back. All right.
1: But he got to meet that, uh, the prisoner that beat him and everything uh, for a while and he thought the guy was going to apologize to him, you know, for what he had done. And you know, he thought he'd say, Hey, I'm sorry it happened. But we were at war. I did what I was supposed to do according to my and he tweeted what he thought he was going to pop He said it was far from apologizing. He said the guy says, You remember me? I'm the one that protected you and kept you in good health. Wow. <laughs> That's what he told him.
0: <laughs> and what did what did the other guy tell him?
1: they nah, he they both gave each other a hug, and that's when the guy told him that and I guess he didn't want to start anything you know' because it was they were meeting together with the university and so Jeez. he he just, he yeah he, he didn't really he didn't really say what he had said you know what he would
0: anybody blame him though if he would have just murdered him on the spot
1: and so, you yeah what what could have this is the guy that tortured me for nearly six years. You know no, he, he was he was better than I would have been i I think I would have uh, I would have of course I'm in a wheelchair, but I would have verbally abused him. You're the one to beat me, and I'm supposed to thank you for that oh yeah I, I would have done that uh, wow he, he, he was not like that he he uh was gentleman, polite, he said he was stunned when the guy said. You remember me? I'm the one that kept you healthy.
0: <laughs> so what is going on in Tennessee these days? What's going on over there? I mean, we got uh Black Lives Matter, Corona, is there anything crazy popping off over there?
1: The one thing about the Black Lives Matter, we had several peaceful protests down in Nashville, but none of the buildings were burnt down, none of the I mean, it, it was peaceful. So with that going on,
0: Nothing happened to Elvis's house, right? With all his good stuff. Elvis nothing.
1: is four hours from me in Memphis. So, oh, okay. yeah, nothing, nothing happened. I, now, kids, I'm in Nashville area. I'm sure if something would have happened, we would have heard about Elvis. Uh, <laughs> so, Don't fuck with it,
0: Elvis, right?
1: That's right. That's right. So, uh, actually, I saw not too long ago one of Elvis's grandson commits suicide. What? One of his grandsons yeah I saw on the internet that he he actually yeah 25 years old, I think and he killed himself.
0: Oh man, that's horrible. You hate to hear about stuff like that.
1: yeah mean yeah, here's, here's the thing to me is I'm sure there's still plenty of money in the Presley family. You know, oh, with, yeah with, yeah, with yeah. Money. and it's sad to say that Elvis and, and Michael Jackson making more money dead. Than alive. So it goes to show you that that money can't buy that happiness for them to, uh, want to kill themselves.
0: So what, what makes you want to do this podcast? You like, you sincerely enjoy hearing the stories about people's, um, <clears throat> uh, going through adversity, then succeeding in life.
1: Well, that, yeah, that's, that's the main thing with me is, um, I really enjoy hearing the stories. But knowing somewhere along the line, one of these podcasts is going to help somebody. So I, I, I had this one girl. She came in probably the first seven or eight, ten of my podcasts. I ain't seen her in a while, uh, and she came in and thanking me for doing this, that it's uh, helping her and everything. And you know those saying, if I could reach one person, you yeah. know, i good. And I was going, I may have met my one. You know, but she hasn't been on lately, so I need to see if I can check. Hey, what was
0: the story with her? What, what what did she go through?
1: At that time, she told me she was um, divorced with three kids. Now, I don't know divorce because of physical abuse or I, I don't know. She just said she was divorced with three kids. So, yeah,
0: single moms. I mean, those are the real heroes in America sometimes, right? I mean, you're struggling, you're making it work however you can, and then you're raising children to be productive individuals in society, right?
1: Hey, before single moms were big, you know, today you hear a lot of single moms, but my mom raised all three of us boys basically by herself and we all turned out pretty good. So yeah, the single moms, they, they got to be strong and, and I mean, they're they're definitely sacrificing a lot that they would want to do to make sure their kids get better.
0: Let's hear about your story, though, brother. So you, you said that you were playing ball, right? And you broke your neck. What exactly happened that day?
1: Actually, I was in college for on a baseball scholarship. I was hoping to go professional in baseball. I got to play one college game. And the very next day, people were playing just a pickup game of football. We didn't have any helmets or pads on. And so my team had got the ball back, and we'd been out for probably two hours. And my team got the ball back, and I said, hey, I'm done playing for today. And so they need to give us stuff ready for class. So I left the huddle. I got about 10 feet from the huddle, and I heard someone say, we need someone to run the ball. I stopped to turn around and said, all right, I'll come back for one more play. So they hand the ball off to me, and I scored a touchdown. And when I was turning back towards everybody, putting the ball down, a guy hit me when I wasn't ready. And broke three vertebrates of my neck and paralyzed instantly.
0: Whoa, man, that's that's crazy. It, it just but kind of I'm makes you wonder, though, right? When it happens, like, why me? Right?
1: I, you know, I didn't say a lot of why me. I'm sure I thought it, but I didn't really say that out loud, you know. But, um, I'm, I'm sure I thought it when I first got hurt. Um, I've done a lot more, of course. I told you earlier. They said, I'd never walk again, maybe not move from my neck down and put in a nursing home. Well, I've done a lot more than I ever thought I would when I first got hurt. So, you know, like I said, been teacher, coach. I've been over in Africa coaching over there. I was an ambassador for disabled people. I had 12 wheelchairs donated to give to people in Africa to get those people out in public. Because over in that area where we were in yeah. Africa, in Africa it was, if you can't farm, build a house, if you can't be productive inside society, you're not allowed to get out in it, basically. And wow. so that's why I went to coach our girls, or our women's team, it was a women's team, coach them and um, and get 12 wheelchairs out so we get some other people out of the house.
0: Is that the thing, though? Does nobody want to coach female sports? Is that what's going on?
1: Oh, no. There's a lot of big, big coaches and females. Oh, there's a lot of, you know, Connecticut, you know, up there. I forgot his name, but, you know, UConn, they they won a lot of championships. They had a a 100-game winning streak at one time, 100-plus winning streak, and they didn't lose a game for like three and a half years. In college but
0: if we're gonna be honest though right I mean nobody's watching the females play they, they just is, care about the that men is right very
1: much true that even though they still have their championships they have all their games a lot of people don't pay to to watch the women so which is sad to me that uh, and, and you know our women's soccer team I guess Olympic they won this soccer but then they were talking about how much money they're less paid than the men's, and the men didn't win, and they're talking about much more money they made, and the thing goes back to the women don't bring in the money to be able. Why to get is that. it
0: though? I mean, do you have you thought about that? Like, why is it so? I don't know. There's a big gap between a man and a female and the money, right? Like, why is that?
1: Uh, uh, for I don't know. For whatever reason, people don't. Go to watch the women play. I have no, you know, because if they were selling out their venues, they would get more money. But they can't get people to go. Hey, there's Maybe a it's because deal. they're too
0: nice, right? Maybe that's what it is. They're too nice.
1: Oh no, not today. Not today. <laughs> so if you just said that 30 years ago, but not today. These women, they are not to say 30 years ago they weren't athletes, but today they're true athletes. I mean, they're weightlifting like men do. They're Ooh. cardio and running like men. Now, they may not be throwing 100 pounds around, but for the woman, maybe 65 pounds might equal 100. I, I don't know what that would be, but they're throwing their limit just like the men would today. Yeah, they're, not, they're not as nice as you would think. <laughs> See, so you're
0: a doctor, right? Is that what you said? You're a doctor?
1: I got a doctorate in education. Yeah, I, I can't I tell people I can't write out a prescription to get medication. <laughs> like that, but but I can I can drive you to this I can drive you to Walmart and pick them up for you.
0: Wow, so, I love that. Do you <laughs> get a lot of that though? People are just like, hey man, come on. Give me some of that uh, oxycodone or whatever, right? oxycatin. No,
1: if you wouldn't believe that the people that I went to school with, they're surprised when they hear that I have a doctorate. So they go, You 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 got a doctor degree? <laughs> oh
0: wow, man, that's horrible!
1: What do you tell so, them? I would. Well, then I want to gloat in front of them because I knew they went to college and quit, <laughs> and so yeah, I to, there you go. I want to gloat in front of them, but then I try not to. So,
0: <laughs> so you've been through a lot of amazing experiences in your life that have been kind of, uh, I mean, for less lack of a better word, just tragic, right? But you just made something positive come out of it. What, what think, just kind of kept you going? like what I makes think a lot of
1: just... two, two things. Uh, my mom, again, was a single mother. Most of the time, she remarried at one point, but then he died right when I was 16, and they remarried. they have been married maybe nine or 10 years, and so there was a 10-year 10, 10 window that I had a father in my life, but my mom raised me up before she remarried, and after he died, she did all the raising. So watching her being strong helped. But I also believe that uh, competition in sports teach you a lot in life. You know, they teach you how to be a hopefully a good winner, hopefully a good loser, not a, a loser that's soaks and pout and whine and cry. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that teach you teamwork to work with your team players. It teaches you how to adjust when certain things are going on. So I think there's a lot of it goes with the added with the team sports as well and again yeah, for some reason I think in my DNA it's been instilled to persevere so I mean I could have easily when I, when I first got hurt I could have easily just laid in bed yeah be, be fed like a vegetable you know eating whatever somebody's feeding me and then watching their TV shows because I couldn't reach the remote and change the channel and watching their shows. So I could have easily done that. Oh, man. But, and someone asked me one time about, they said, I don't think I could do what you do. And one, you don't know because you're not in the situation. You know, like uh, Captain Plum, I said, I told him, Captain, I don't know if I could have gone through the beating and torture you went through. And then he says, James, I don't know if I can just sit in a wheelchair like you do. And so you don't know what you can do until you're put in a situation. And then That's you're
0: gonna, a crazy question in its own, though, isn't it? Like, what yeah. would you rather have, be in a wheelchair or get tortured for six years?
1: Yeah. I They're guess. both bad, right? Yeah. Uh, one Uh I really like, uh, if you ever look up Char, uh, Captain Charlie Plum on YouTube, he's got this one speech where he talks about he was in prison in an eight-foot cell. He could walk one way and it's eight foot. And he says, even though I was in prison for in an eight-foot cell, he said, there's a lot of people that are in prison in their eight-inch mind.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So he they talked, don't see he the talked,
0: big picture, right? They're just kind of just tunnel vision.
1: Yeah. It, because they're focused on, <laughs> focus on what's going on, what's the problem, and not worrying about how it's going to improve, what are they need to do to make it improve, and they're just so focused on what the issue is that they lose sight of everything else. So this is something
0: that could happen to everybody that, that has happened to you in your life. If, if somebody okay. were to go through this tomorrow, what advice would you give them to, I don't know, just keep going, find so that, something good out there?
1: To, to persevere, definitely. I mean, I've been in the wheelchair now 37 years almost, and here I am talking to other people who's been in five years and three years and eight years, and the thing I tell them is, uh, the same thing, I, I tell them you got... You have two choices. You can lay in bed and let them feed you and watch their t- your, the, whoever's changing the channel on the TV. Or you can get up and go make the best life that you can make out of it. It may not be the life that you want it, but it can be better than nothing.
0: i got to ask you, though. i got to ask you. So you're married or are you single? Single. <clears throat> What's the dating life, though? What, what's the landscape like when whenever you're in a situation like that?
1: I've had very few relationships because I'm not that strong person, I think. But then I'll see other people that's in wheelchairs and they get a woman, no problem, it seems like. When they first get injured, that's when a spouse, man or woman, whoever got hurt, man or woman, spouse... That's when it's challenging, and that's where a high number leave, divorce, or whatnot, and say, "I didn't, I didn't bargain for this," and they leave. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and a very few stay with the marriage, again, man or woman, but early on, I mean, I, I've seen stories where they said within a month, uh, his wife left him after he got home out of the hospital. One of them wow. said, "I was." Cool. Once that I was still in the hospital and the wife decided to go on. And so um, when I first got hurt, I was dating this girl. We've been dating four or five years. Within three months, she was ready to go on.
0: Did you, is there a a period though? Is there something that you saw that was happening during that time? And then you talked to them about it. Was the communication just kind of severed or they just told you they just didn't want to. Be about yeah in life well
1: you, you know on um, most breakups you know how it is usually whoever's ready to break up they don't communicate a lot they they got they got excuses to be somewhere else and so yeah so you, you knew it was coming you just didn't want it to come and so yeah it's has
0: anybody ever told you sir that you have a beautiful soul has anybody ever told you that
1: Hey, you did just now. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> I don't understand right. why people out there would not want to be part of your life. I mean, there's plenty so, of people out there for everybody, right?
1: You would think so, right? It's a big world out there. And so you just got to find somebody that's really open-minded to be they able- There's this uh, other guy, I, I'm going to work my best to get him on my, on my show. His name is right. uh, Nick. Nick Verachek, he was born without arms and legs, born without arms and legs. Ooh. Here he is In Australia, I think, Australia, Austria, Australia, I think. And now he lives in uh, California, he is an, uh, a minister, preacher type, and has this beautiful wife and three kids. And he has no arms and legs.
0: Wow, it's just like so many questions about that alone. Oh my gosh, yeah!
1: So, what are you gonna
0: ask him? Top three questions right off the bat, like what are you asking?
1: Well, main thing would be, What's the name of your condition? You know, what's it called, born without the arms and legs? So that way we get that out there. But then, the other thing is, and, and I got his book and read it. He attempted suicide one time, and his was, um, his mom would put him in the bathtub and you know, help clean him oh, up. Oh yeah, and the phone rang or something, and she went to go to the phone, and then he he said he was tired of life. What did he have to offer? He was, I mean, depressed, and so he tried to drown himself in his own bathtub, and then um, he snapped out of it, and there here he is today. So, but yeah, you know, you know, with no arms and legs, you got more of a disadvantage than even me at least I have legs that don't work. And so that could be an advantage or disadvantage. You know, at least with him, no legs, he don't have that dead weight. Because he, 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 he can, even though he don't have, don't have legs, he's got, I guess, stubs down there, and he can walk on them if he needs to. And so... Um, wow, I never thought about that. That's crazy. So, and then I've seen other guys, if you look them up, you'll see um, these people that are born without half their body, like no waist, but they have their upper body and arm. So I'm not sure how they go to the bathroom and stuff. <laughs> stuff. But, uh, I mean, it's amazing what you can do and want to do if, if you could. Geez, So, I mean,
0: you're talking about people here. out there in the world, right? <clears throat> that are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, I lost my cell phone, right? Uh, what, What's another one? My car doesn't work. And they are just the world's over, I got nothing to live for. And then you hear about other people's stories and you're like, what am I talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's it's, it's amazing. That's why I wanted to do, that's why I started this podcast. If, I figure if nothing else, I'm gonna get something out of it. And hopefully other people come in and listen to these. So, I mean, I've had a woman was cancer survivor, just survived last year. Um, several spinal cord injury people. Um, New York Yankees in baseball, they've hired the first woman coach in Major League Baseball. I had her on my show to talk about what she had to do to get there. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Had had one girl on there. She was a an albino, albino and legally blind. But she's albino. Her skin's all white, pale as can be. Her hair is white, pale as can be. It can never get the pigment. It's never be black. It'll never turn gray. Her brows, white as can be. She's just true albino. And, and what uh, is she doing? Uh, she lives in a group home. So I don't think she works or anything. So and she's le- illegally blind as well.
0: And how do you find your guests?
1: What are you finding? Uh, actually, heard, actually, Actually, I've heard I found that um, I'm good. Thank you, mom. I'm actually at uh, at Walmart here in Gallatin, where I live. So, her good to talking, but um, others I just people I know give me names to try to get hold of, or I'll uh, look them up and Google them and try to see if I can get hold of somebody. Like uh, I just got an email trying to get this other one uh i don't know if you heard of mike utley he played professional football for detroit lions and he got his neck broke oh, wow. in a game as a professional football player and so i may be getting him on my show so but yeah i just i'm trying to get to now it's not gonna happen right now but i asked earlier in the spring when, when football was dead for a while uh, you know the 49ers has a female coach, and so I tried to get her, but she never responded back to me.
0: And what are, what are you doing? Just looking them up and uh, <clears throat> just shooting them an email? Is that what's going on?
1: Oh, I'll try to do a video so they can see my face and go ahead and tell them. First thing I lead off with, hey, I am a person that's a spinal cord injury, got my neck broke playing football. That way I can try to relate sports with them, and oh, then. Okay. And then I – because most people go after – most of them are sporting people that I try to go after. And so um, then I'll tell them to say, hey, I know you're the first female coach in the NFL. I would love to have your story and journey on my podcast. But she never responded. But, again, the one from the New York Yankees, she did.
0: Wow. Man, that's a lot of uh, people you're just reaching out to try to get their stories. Man, I love it.
1: So You're putting yeah, always, in a lot of work. I tell you it's it's uh hey, hopefully a lot of work will bring a lot of money one day, right?
0: <laughs> exactly though.
1: But what well, what kind of hobbies you got?
0: What what do you got going on these days?
1: Uh I don't coach anymore. Um main thing is the YouTubing and um podcasting. I enjoy going to movies and whatnot, and um now I'd love to go fishing. Uh, As I say fishing. I, I usually drown more worms than I actually catch fish. But <laughs> I, I enjoy that. Uh, but it's hard to be finding people that would take their time because they have to carry all the poles. I can't carry them and push my wheelchair. So I have to do all the work and then fish and then load everything back up. So sometimes I can find somebody to go and sometimes I can't. But you kind of feel really, like an
0: asshole, though, that you're like, hey, you got to carry everything, you know? I'm just kind of tagging along.
1: With, yeah, that's right. The, of course, they know they're going up front, right? <laughs> they know that. So, um, But yeah, I, I was, there's been several places that I've found that are designed for wheelchairs and we will be 20 feet out in the water where the dock was built for wheelchairs so you're off the bank fishing. There's one place close to where I live. It's about 45, 45 minutes where I live. And I bet you that thing is seventy-five feet to hundred feet out in the water. So haven't fished there yet, but I will to.
0: So what? What about these fishes, though? How many are you catching? Are you Are you
1: taking some home for dinner? Oh yeah, there's been times we bring in a nice two or three catfish and have a catfish uh, cookout and everything like that two or three times. Um, most of the stuff I catch is either catfish or bluegills. Every now and then I get a bass because that bass you have to throw it and bring it in and throw it. It wears my arm out. I'd rather just throw it out and just sit there and wait for a catfish to get it.
0: <laughs> Man, I kinda feel like like you you should get a net, you know what I mean? Yeah, drop a net
1: down there. There you go. Yeah, Um, drop
0: it in there. You got a big net. You get in there, and then the fish just kind of go in the net, and then you pull it out, and you got like 50,000 fish, right?
1: That's right. That's right. Uh That'd be too easy, wouldn't it? I don't know. They still got to be there, huh? All right.
0: All right, come on. Tell us about Tennessee, though. What's going on over there? I've never been. Tell us the hot spots. Where are where are you located? I'm in San Antonio right now.
1: San Antonio. Um. The biggest hopping thing is Nashville. I mean, it's 30 minutes where I live, and they it's Nashville there. They um, they got their honky-tonks going. Got live bands playing. Uh, of course, the corona's hurt, the events and everything. But downtown, we to got the Titans football going on.
0: Nobody's Predator. going to that.
1: Come on. Nobody's no, watching that. <laughs> <there or not. laughs> Oh, nowadays, there's, there's nothing going on anywhere, hardly. I'm just talking about generally what's happening, I guess, pre all right, So we,
0: we just had a comment, though. It says what disability, and you said it was a spinal cord that left you as a paraplegic person, right?
1: I'm a quadriplegic because quadriplegic. All, four oh, limbs, yeah, about all four limbs are affected. I can't open my hands. I can't open my hands. I don't have triceps to straighten my arm above my head. So I'm a quadriplegic, spinal cord injury.
0: Oh man, that's rough, man. I mean, I, I've talked about my problems on the show, and then, I mean, just listening to you speak to everybody out there that's watching, it just kind of uh, kind of breaks my heart a little bit, you know.
1: So, nah, no, no, I, I don't, I don't look for sympathy or anything like that. Um, we we all have something going on. It's just some people more than others, and sad thing is that some people have very little challenges in life compared to others, but we all have something going on. I don't, I don't discount anybody's tragedy challenge. And in the example I would get, uh, give, say, for instance, uh, Joe, you got up in the middle of the night, it's time to go to the bathroom or you get a drink of water or something, and you stump your toe hitting the doorway. Now what's happened to you is you lost an Ooh. hour of sleep because your toe's hurting, right? But oh, but what if the person that hit that their toe in that door, what if they had that disease that their bones are brittle? Now they've shattered that toe. Or if they're a hemophiliac that can't wow. stop bleeding once they're bleeding. So even though someone said I stumped my toe, I don't discount it because I don't know what else they're dealing with.
0: Jeez, man, you're, you're painting a, a beautiful picture for everybody out there.
1: So, well, you know, we're all going through something, you know. Uh, I I try my best. I'm not perfect, but I try my best to – when someone snaps at me at the store or when I'm checking out and they're having a bad day and they're mumbling, I go, ma'am, I hope you have a great day today, you know, and just –
0: You just sound like a nice guy, man. Have you ever said anything mean in your life?
1: Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I have (laughs) – i have i have learned since being in the wheelchair to be patient and understanding before my injury i was ready to fight anybody with a drop of the hat i was ready. i was my mom she came in and offered me a drink a minute ago but she she didn't know a lot of this but i used to take our cars and a truck my dad had after he passed away and i pegged that thing up over 100 miles an hour you know driving so I, I, so I knew some of <laughs> I off a 75 foot cliff off a bluff into the water and not knowing if anything's under the water to hit. I mean, I was so, you know, grew up with that uh, mentality that I'm invincible. Uh, so uh, that's, that's what I was, I brought up me thinking that, yeah, I would drive in cars a hundred miles an hour. So, if you can fun- still
0: drive a car though, if you really wanted to though, right? They, they have, I have a, I have a, a van. setup for that.
1: I have a van to, that I drive now. Before that, I had a Mustang, a 2000 Mustang I was driving. So, um, oh, yeah. Uh, what was funny, before I got injured, we would go to the Tennessee Falls football game just in the early 80s because I got hurt in 83. So um, my two brothers and my mom, they'd be sleeping, and we're about three hours away from there. And while they're sleeping, I peg that car up to 100, and, and they go, how do, we here, how do we get here in two hours instead of three? <laughs> so wow. when they wake, Let me ask when you they, a question. When, I, when they wake up, and then I take the foot off the gas. <laughs> so what happens if you get pulled over
0: and they're like, sir, we're going to need you to step out of the car. We're going to need you to do a, a sobriety test. Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, we hadn't had that incident yet. Um course my license place has a disability thing so they know they're going up front that of course the disability tags did not necessarily mean wheelchair it could be just right disability. so but now I hadn't had the I did one time I got pulled over speeding and I remember wheelchair and um, they said uh, I told my brother he was with me I said you might want to get out and go tell the police that I'm in a wheel because I didn't have tags wheelchair tags on my car at that time And uh, I said, you may want to go out and go tell them that I'm disabled. And then he opens up the door, and they are on their microphone. Passenger, stay inside. Driver, get out of the vehicle. And I'm going, I'm looking at my brother, and I said, I don't know what to do. I said, I can't get out. Driver, get out of the vehicle. We're not going to tell you no more. (laughs) So I reached up and grabbed my handicap placard that was on my dash and put it out the, the window for him to see it. And then he came up. He gave me a hundred dollar ticket, but he, <laughs> but wow, yeah, he wouldn't go let my brother go back here to talk to him. <laughs> so, well, but yeah, I had that. You know what
0: I find it crazy though is that the most people that have disability tags they have like the fastest cars known to man,
1: right? Some of them do, yes. There's a, there's a guy that was a race car driver. His name is uh, Smiths. Can't think of his first name right now. And he got his neck broke in one of those... Uh, it's one of those uh, Indy indie car racing. And his his total car, he got broken. he can't move anything with his neck down. So he went on and um, took the money he got from insurance and whatnot and started his own racing team. So he's the owner of that team and so I got to go meet him one time. I know you wanted to do an hour, so I want to ask you though, what what
0: projects and uh, what what things you have lined up in the future?
1: Uh, I don't have a lot other than just doing my YouTube and podcast, and I don't I don't plan a lot of things way because you don't know what's going to change in life. So I I pretty much do things like earlier you contacted me and said. Hey, I got a spot. You want to come on now? Sure, let's go do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't plan out a lot of stuff. I, I just do it as it as I feel like it.
0: So you got a lot of upcoming guests, right? A lot of amazing people that are ready to jump on your show. How does that make you feel? Does that give you some type of uh, appreciation for life and gratitude? And you're just that, like, man, I love this show. I love what I do.
1: That and. Um, Again knowing that some somewhere some of these are going to help somebody else later on you know when they come to when they find the show and they hear somebody else's story and it's some so it, to me it's just helping as many people as I can
0: man you know I I don't do the guest thing brother I really don't and uh, this is my attempt to do it on my own and uh-huh. I'm usually like the biggest asshole on the planet, but you give me no reason to be any type of mean to you. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. You're just like the nicest guy
1: on the planet. I'm I'm telling you, before I got in the wheelchair, I was a big asshole. Again, I remember one time, here I am, 17 years old, and this like 30-year-old man come after me, and here I am being an athlete and everything, and uh, I forgot what, how it all took off. And um, he ended up throwing the first punch. And I said, you know, that was pretty good, man. And then I wailed on top of him. And, and I'm beating his head like I'm playing the bongos. And his, friend, <laughs> his friend, friend finally get me off and say, that's enough, man. That's enough. And so then the dude's wife comes by. You better get off him or I'm going to kick your ass. And I said, yeah, that's what your big man thought, too. So yeah, before before in a wheelchair, yeah, I I yeah. So I wasn't the greatest person to really be around, probably.
0: <laughs> wow, man. I, I love your story. I'm glad we had you on. Is there any last thoughts? Anything else you want to say before we, we let you go? I'm sure you got plenty of no, stuff. If no, anybody gets an do, opportunity,
1: right? you can go to scrolling uh down the bottom was uh Professor You can scroll there to uh, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe and uh, go on to your favorite podcast uh, channel or whatnot uh, platform and look at Professor of Perseverance Podcast and like, subscribe, and stuff like that. and Help out a brother. Help out a brother.
0: (laughs) I love this guy.
1: Joe, I appreciate you having me on, man. I love this. I I like the... I tell, I, tell, I I I go around I used to go around and speak publicly well, I don't do that as much with corona but uh, I, I I sometimes I would open up my my speech with today's my the topic today is one of my favorites we're going to talk about then I'll go we're talking about me so it's my favorite <laughs> topic and so so every now and again the little jerk in me comes out
0: oh I mean, man that's mild, yeah. brother
1: it's mild <laughs> Oh yeah, I was gonna say it's nothing like it could have uh, could have been. <laughs> so,
0: well, we appreciate you having you know coming on the show short notice. Uh, do your thing, man. I'm I'm gonna stay tuned and see what you got popping next. And I love it. Thanks for coming. You
1: got, on. you got me information. If you want me to come back another time, just let me know.
0: All right, man. I'll keep you in mind, brother.
1: So, all right, brother. Thank you again, and everybody else. Take care.
0: All right, so we're gonna take a short break and then uh, we're gonna keep it moving with uh, with the show. See as I can figure this out. Here we go, all right. Taking a short break, everybody. And what we got coming up next, uh, we're gonna to try to get Tom on the mic. We're gonna talk about a giveaway for the show. It's gonna be amazing. So stay tuned for that. All right, and we're fucking back. We're live on the Joe Madness Show. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna message Tom and let him know what we're doing, right? Like, hey, bitch, come on. jump on the mic. But um, my tablet died on me, so hopefully he's watching. We can just get him on real quick. If it's not, I'll just ramble for a little bit. We'll kill the stream. We'll come back talking about the giveaway. Because right? we got a giveaway for everybody out there that supports the show. Uh, we're talking about the experiment, right? The experiment fucking podcast. We just had James Perdue on the fucking mic. Bless his fucking heart, man. You know, he jumps on the mic. I think I, uh, I literally emailed him. Like 30 minutes, maybe. Before I even decided I was gonna jump on and do a, a live, right? Do a show. He was like, Yeah, I'll be on. Shoot me the link, right? So he jumps on, tells us a great story, tells us a many good stories. Uh, I didn't even know what to expect, you guys. I was just like, damn. Like, how do you how do you top that? You know what I mean? Like somebody jumps on the mic and they're like, hey man. Like, I had an injury on my neck. I'm in a wheelchair. I still continue to live my life the best I can. Before we continue on that, though, on help you're watching, go ahead and uh, message Tom real quick. Tell him we're ready to get him on. Tell him to jump on. So we can tell him about this giveaway. All right, so told his stories about how he was a, a world championship coach he told us about how he earned his doctorate's degree in education it's like fuck man That's that's amazing right you know somebody messaged earlier. was the message at Joe you're being too nice you know it's just like man you know I've never lied anybody out to that watches me, right? I mean, I put on a fucking show for everybody, right? That's what, that's what I do. I've never had guests really to speak of. And man, our, our other show, The Experiments, got so many fucking guests just booked for months. And there's so many people that wouldn't wanna jump on the show, right? And the show they wanna jump on is the, the Joe Madden show, right? So I, I emailed a bunch of them, I was like, man, we uh, we wanted to get you on the other show, but we're so fucking overflowed. So let me let me put you on the show you originally wanted to be on, right? I don't know anything about being a, a host with guests. I don't know anything about that. I really don't. I I've done the show by myself, and I think I've done pretty well. And then me talking about adding guests to the to the show, and it's just I don't know. It's it's a little terrifying, right? Kinda of paint you guys a picture real quick. Um, I got through grilling some chicken. I chowed that shit down. I chowed it down. I was uh, walking to the shed. I plugged it in. I turned on some music and I fucking went, right? Let me see if I can turn this fucking tablet on. We get Tom on the fucking mic so we can talk about this giveaway. We got something beautiful out there for everybody. Everybody out there that follows the, uh, the new podcast, The Experiment. We got a giveaway for everybody out there. It's going to be fucking amazing, you guys. When I say that, but as soon as I guy tell you guys about the, the giveaway, you might just be like, damn, Joe took his a fucking ride. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's me Go and turn this motherfucker on, and then we'll see if we can get him on real quick. If not, I'm going to kill the stream. So last night we did a, we did a live with uh, Wayne. I told everybody behind the scenes, right, Tom and Molly, I was like, man, Wayne ain't going to bring shit. He's going to bring nothing, right? Nothing but headaches and heartache. So we had him on the show. You know, this guy took it like a champ, man. When I tell you, you take it on the chin and you fucking keep moving. Like, this guy's a quintessential example of that. I mean, I roasted him, right? I roasted him on the mic, and he just kind of took it, and he just kept going in stride. He wants to be back on the show. He's probably gonna be on the Joe Madness show. Maybe we'll put him back on the experiment. I'm not really sure right now. I mean, we got a few spots open, but I don't know what we wanna do with that. I don't know if we wanna get comedians on the on the mic and that, or if we wanna want to try to go ahead and get somebody fresh. All right, so right now, I'm just looking for it right now. Uh, let's see here. Let me just go and sign in. To, Sonny Wesley. Hopefully it's already saved. If it's not, I'm fucked, right? Where you at, Sam? Come on. Now I've got to add an account. Oh, my gosh. All right, do we remember what it is? That's the real question, right? Ah. So, yeah, we had uh, we had Wayne. We had the great Corby Midlaid. She was on the mic talking about her her tarot card readings it was just amazing I loved it you know at the end she kind of read my cards a little bit <clears throat> you know I, I like to tell everybody out there you know behind the scenes right that you know it's for entertainment man you know what I mean if you're gonna sit there and, and believe what somebody tells you about your own life <clears throat> And they don't know anything about you. Then what are we really talking about, though, you know? That's pretty much what happened yesterday. She read my card. She told me something that might have made a little bit of sense. But at the end of the day, I mean, is it real? Is it not real? I don't fucking know. Man, I don't even know. I don't even know the goddamn email to this thing. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to kill the stream. It's been a great show with James Perdue on the Joe Madness show. Hopefully here in about five to ten minutes, we're going to go back live with Tom and Molly. We're going to talk about the greatest giveaway known to man. As always, I'm that motherfucker with the billion dollar voice. I'm out, bitches.